Hello everyone and welcome back to the Magic and the Moon podcast. As always, I am your host, David, and this week we're going to be talking about Our Lady of Guadalupe, or in Spanish, Nuestra Señora de Guadalupe. And for those that don't know, a really quick um, just overview of kind of who uh, and what she is. Our Lady of Guadalupe is a Catholic title referring to um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, that is associated with a series of five Marian apparitions, which are said to have occurred in December of 1531, and a venerated image on a cloak enshrined within the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in what is now Mexico City. Um, this sacred site is the most visited Catholic shrine in the whole world, and it's the world's third most visited religious destination in general. Pope Leo XIII granted the image a decree of canonical coronation on the 8th of February in 1887, and it was pontifically crowned in 12th of October, 1895. So, um, according to the Nikan Mahua, and I do not speak uh, the Nahuatl language, so if I'm pronouncing things incorrectly, I do apologize, but um, the Nikan Mahua is a 17th century account written in Nahuatl, and it states that the Virgin Mary appeared four times to Juan Diego, an indigenous Mexican person, and once to his uncle Juan Bernardino. The first apparition occurred on the morning of Saturday, the 9th of December, 1531, and Juan Diego experienced a vision of a young woman at a place called the Hill of Tepeyac, which later became part of Villa de Guadalupe in the suburb of what became Mexico City, Mexico. According to the accounts, the woman, speaking to Juan Diego in his native language, identified herself as the Virgin Mary, and said that she was the mother of the true deity. She was said to have asked for a church to be built at that site in her honor. Based on her words, Juan Diego then sought the Archbishop of Mexico City, Juan de Zumarraga, to tell him what had happened. Not surprisingly, the Archbishop did not believe him, and later the same day, Juan Diego saw her again, the second apparition, and she told him to insist. She's like, hey, I know um, that he didn't believe you. I knew that he wasn't going to believe you, but keep telling him that I am the Virgin Mary. I am the mother of God. Build a church for me. The next Sunday, which was the 10th of December, Juan Diego spoke to the archbishop a second time. So he told him, hey, like you're really persistent about this. Um, go back to Tepeyac Hill, where you saw her appear, and ask her for a truly acceptable, miraculous sign to prove her identity. Later that day, the third apparition, when Juan Diego returned to Tepeyac, he encountered the woman again, and he reported to her the archbishop's request for a sign um, for proof. And she said that she would provide the proof the next day, the 11th of December. By Monday, December the 11th, Juan Diego's uncle, Juan Bernardino, became very, very sick, and he had to take care of him. So in the early hours of Tuesday the 12th, his uncle's condition had gotten much worse overnight, and Juan Diego journeyed to Pateloco to get a Catholic priest to basically administer, you know, his last rites and his confession. Because they, at that point, are basically like, hey, he's not getting better. He's probably going to pass away. So I need to go find a priest and give him his last rites before he dies. And he was also ashamed. You know, he didn't do um, what Mary had asked him to do. So he went a different route to basically avoid seeing her again. Um because he hadn't met her on Monday, like he had told her that he would. So he chose a different way to avoid kill, but she intercepted him and she asked him where he was going. And this became the fourth apparition. Juan Diego explained what had happened with his uncle and the Virgin gently told him that 
hey, you should have just done what I said. But in the words that have become the most famous phrase associated with the apparitions of Guadalupe, she said, No estoy yo aquí, que soy tu madre. Am I not here? I who am your mother. She assured him that Juan Bernardino had now recovered and was fully healed, and she told him to gather flowers from the summit of Tepeyac Hill, which normally would have been barren in the cold of December. He obeyed her instructions, and he found Castilian roses, which not only is that amazing that they're thriving out of season because it's the winter, but also they are not native to Mexico. So this would have been like a very big deal. So according to the story, the Virgin Mary arranged the flowers in his tilma, a cloak, and then when he opened his cloak later that day before the archbishop, the flowers fell to the floor and revealed the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe printed upon the fabric. The next day on December 13th, he found his uncle totally recovered, just like the lady had told him, and Juan Bernardino recounted that he also had seen a vision of her praying at his bedside, which is the fifth apparition, and that she had instructed him to tell the archbishop of her apparition and of his miraculous healing, and that she desired to be venerated under the title Guadalupe. The archbishop kept Juan Diego's tilma, first in his private chapel, and then eventually in the church on public display, where it attracted great attention. On December 26, 1531, a procession formed to transfer the miraculous image back to Tepeyac Hill, where it was installed in a small, very quickly built chapel. And during this procession, the first miracle was allegedly performed when an indigenous person was mortally wounded in the neck by an arrow shot by accident during some martial arts displays performed in honor of the Virgin. In great distress, the natives carried him before the Virgin's image and pleaded for his life, and upon the arrow being withdrawn, they were immediately healed. So let's uh, lay out some historical context now that we've talked about the story of the apparitions themselves. So Our Lady of Guadalupe, um, as she's now known, and with the image that I think that most of us are probably familiar with, um, is not the first version of Guadalupe. The original shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe is in Guadalupe Cesares in Extremadura, Spain. This was the most important Marian shrine in the medieval kingdom of Castile. It was one of the many Black Madonnas um, across Europe, and especially Spain has a long tradition of Black Madonnas, and it was revered in the monastery of Santa Maria de Guadalupe, in the town of Guadalupe, which of course is the namesake. Um, the name is derived from the Latin word Wad, which means valley of, and Upum, which means wolf, so the valley of the wolves, basically. And this shrine houses a statue that is said to have been carved by St. Luke the Evangelist and was given to Leander of Seville, who was the Archbishop of Seville by Pope Gregory I. And according to the legend, when Seville was taken by the Moors in 712 CE, a group of priests fled to the north and they buried the statue in the hills near Guadalupe River. At the beginning of the 14th century, the version appeared one day to a cowboy named Gil Cordero, who was searching for a missing animal in the mountains. He claimed the Virgin Mary had appeared to him and ordered him to ask the priest to dig at the site of her apparition. They excavated the hidden statue and built a shrine around it, which eventually became the Monastery of Guadalupe. So following the Spanish colonization of what is now Mexico from like 1519 to 21, the Marian cult was brought to the Americas and Franciscan friars often leveraged syncretism with existing religious beliefs as a tool to evangelize the indigenous people. 
So what is purported by some to be the earliest mention of the miraculous appearance of Mary is a page of parchment called the Codex Escalada from 1548. This was discovered in 1995, so relatively recently, and according to investigative analysis, dates from the 16th century. Um, so yeah, 1500s. Um, this document bears two images representing Juan Diego and then the apparition of Mary and several inscriptions in the Nahuatl language are referring to Juan Diego by his Aztec name and the date of his death. So as well as the year when Virgin Mary appeared, 1531. It does contain the glyph of Antonio Barayano and finally the signature of Fray Bernardino, um, which was authenticated by experts from Banco de Mexico and Charles Dibble. Scholars have not really agreed on whether or not they think this document is accurate, but um, a more complete early description of the apparitions occurs in a 16-page manuscript called Nicanapua, which has been dated reliably to 1556 and was acquired by the New York Public Library in 1880. This document, written in Nahuatl but in Latin uh, script, tells the story of the apparitions and the supernatural origin of the image. It was most likely proposed, excuse me, proposed, composed by a native Mexica or Aztec man, Antonio Barriano, and he was probably educated by the Franciscan priests. The text of this document was later incorporated into a printed pamphlet that was widely circulated in like the mid-1600s. So in spite of these documents, there is no known 16th century written account of the Guadalupe apparitions by the Archbishop Juan de Sumaraga, and in particular, the canonical account of the vision features the Archbishop as a major character in the story, and even though he was um, a really consistent writer, he didn't write anything about this that confirms this story, so that does kind of um, make things a little suspect. The written record suggests that the Catholic clergy in the 16th century Mexico were very divided um, about the indigenous beliefs that were kind of coming up around the veneration of Guadalupe, and the Franciscan order in particular, who had custody of Tepeyac at that time, they were very opposed to this. Um, they didn't like the veneration of Guadalupe because they were saying that it was pagan, that it was indigenous people kind of practicing their traditional beliefs. And we'll talk more about that later, but they did not like it. But the Dominican priests did like it and they supported it. So this is controversial among uh, the clergy at that time. So the main promoter of the story was the Dominican Alonso de Montotar, and he succeeded the Franciscan Juan de Sumaraga as Archbishop of Mexico. In the 1556 sermon, Montefar commended um, devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and he referred to the image on the Tilma of Juan Diego, and he said that it was miraculous. And a few days later, Francisco de Bustamante, who was the head of the local Franciscan order, he had a sermon and said that, like, hey, this is not good. We should not be praying to Guadalupe. This is a weird corruption of religion by native people. And he expressed his concern that the Catholic archbishop was kind of promoting an indigenous superstition that he did not believe was the Virgin Mary. Archbishop Montefar opened an inquiry into the matter at which the Franciscans repeated their position that the image was superstitious and idolatrous. Four witnesses testified to the statement that the image was painted by an indigenous person. And one witness said, the Indian painter Marcos, and this could refer to the Aztec painter Marcos Sipac de Aquino, who was active at that time. 
Professor Jody Brant Smith, referring to Philip Serna Callahan's examination of the tilma, used infrared photography in 1975, and she wrote, If Marcos did, he apparently did so without making preliminary sketches. I don't think I said that word correctly. Preliminary sketches. Um, and in itself, that is a near miraculous procedure. He may well have had a hand in painting the image, but only in painting the additions, such as the angel and the moon at the feet of the Virgin. So ultimately, Archbishop Montefar himself, who was a Dominican, he decided to end the Franciscan custody of the shrine. And from then on, the shrine was kept and served by a diocesan priest under the authority of the Archbishop. He also authorized the construction of a much larger church in which the tilma was mounted and publicly displayed. So um, this was controversial, and this was controversial for quite a long time, well into the 1600s. And the reason why we can see that this is controversial and in some ways remains so uh, to this day, depending on who you ask, is because like with many other apparitions of Mary, the apparition of Guadalupe occurred on what was a sacred site of a pre-Christian deity, in this case, Cuauhtique. Tepeyakil had been sacred to her for long before colonization, long before the Christianization of what is now Mexico, long before the Spanish arrived at all. So what does that mean? What does that actually mean? And if you know me, uh, or if you've been following this podcast for a while, you know that like I personally do adhere to like the idea of Mary and syncretism, believing the apparitions of Mary often occurring at the sacred sites of like pre-Christian goddesses is like those deities way of remaining connected to their people. So I don't think this is coincidence. So we've heard the official story, right? Because we know that when she appeared to Juan Diego, Mary spoke to him in Nahuatl, his native language that she appeared to him as an indigenous woman, that she appeared on the sacred site of what was Cuatacue's sacred hill. And the bishop didn't believe him. And I don't think that that's surprising. Well, for one thing, racism, right? Because the bishop was Spanish. Juan Diego is an indigenous man. Um, that's probably a large factor. But also because you're saying this you know, otherworldly woman appeared to you on the sacred site of this non-Christian goddess speaking to you in your language he probably assumed that it wasn't mary and that's probably why he wasn't believed and it's very very common as i said for marian apparitions to occur at the sacred sites of pre-christian deities la Virgen de guadalupe is no exception to this um Cuatique is the pre-christian mexica or aztec goddess of fertility of the soil of agriculture of life death and rebirth and she is the divine lady adorned with garments of serpents she is the mother of the gods so i don't think it can be called a coincidence that she appeared to juan diego speaking his native language and presenting herself as an indigenous woman during the spanish colonization she came during a time of chaos and uncertainty when people were being killed sexually assaulted enslaved forcibly converted to a strange religion and being forced to learn a language they didn't speak by people they didn't know. And it's like, Guatequé was making herself known to her people, like, hey, I'm still here. 
and not give so much more weight and so much more meaning and depth to the phrase that we attribute to her. Am I not here? I who am your mother. Am I not still here? Am I not still your mother during this brutal time, during this uncertainty, during this time of death and fear? Am I still not here? Am I still not your mother? And the imagery itself of Guadalupe is imbued with Mexica symbology. The indigenous cosmology is woven into the attire of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Her robe is red, meaning wisdom. She wears a black representative of pregnancy, of new beginnings. Her cloak represents the stars. It's covered in astrological bodies. It brings to mind the goddess of stars, Itatukwe. And she appeared to Juan Diego, whose real name is Cuatlatzi, on four different days. And the number four was sacred to these people, embodied the four winds, the four creators, the four directions. And we see this now still in the modern day. Guadalupe continues to be revered and passionately believed in. Her faithful devotees, both Catholic and otherwise, turn to her with a deep belief in her power to help and to heal. Her statues and images of her grace the altars of traditional healers, of Catholics, of Colanderos, of Brujas, and others. So whether she is Mary as Guadalupe or whether she is Tonatzincuatlicue, she serves as a reminder of the sovereignty and the power and the beauty of indigenous people. And it is my opinion that Guatique allowed herself to be venerated as Mary, as Guadalupe, to guide her people through a very uncertain and very, very dangerous time. And that, to me, is the beauty of the apparitions of Guadalupe. And that is the, the power um, and the comfort in her words that, am I not here? I who am your mother. But I hope you enjoyed that. It's definitely uh, a little bit past her feast day now, December 12th, but um, it felt pertinent to kind of speak to her or about her rather. And I'm not telling anyone to go and venerate um, indigenous goddesses. <laughs> um, definitely not uh, my lane. It's not my ancestry. It's not my place to speak to, but I did want to address uh, the syncretism between Guadalupe and Guadalupe. And that's still felt, you know, um, there are many indigenous Mexican people to this day that view her as Guadalupe, that view her as a goddess, not necessarily just, you know, a title of Mary. So um, I'm going to link in this episode's description a resource to Ecorandera online, who is an indigenous Mexican woman, and she talks a lot about Tonatzin, uh, Guadalupe, and Mary, and seek that out, learn from the people that are part of this tradition, if you're interested in that. And um, I hope you enjoyed that. And that's all I have for you this time.